Hey there, my name is Erin Deal, and I'm a half-Southern, half-Midwestern mama, some call this voice a nasal twang, who took $5,000 to build and scale a one-of-a-kind experiential organization that improves the lives of corporate professionals through personal development, humanity, and humor. Along the way, I've built client relationships with some of the most notable companies in the country, all while attracting a rock star team of experts and hilarious facilitators. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Well, what I didn't tell you is that my resume also includes a long list of comedy shows I bombed, improv teams I didn't make, companies who told me no, and many a heartache when it came to becoming a mother. I want to show you the real deal of the grit, creativity, and determination it takes to overcome your disappointments, embrace the suck, and design the career you could only dream about. I believe we all have our own unique gifts that we bring to the world, and it is our mistakes that help to unwrap them. Welcome to Failed It. Welcome to Failed It, the podcast that reminds you, you have to fail in order to improve. I'm Erin Deal, the founder of Improve It and your host. And today I am so excited to have my friend, O'Brien McMahon on the show. Obey, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let me just give your highlight reel so everybody can get to know you a little bit. So O'Brien McMahon is the senior vice president with Lockton, helping companies build better employee benefits, compensation, and retirement programs. He also hosts Everybody listen up, the People Podcast with O'Brien McMahon, a podcast exploring the human element of work. Now, while his day job is focused on total rewards, he is fascinated by human behavior and psychology, and he enjoys helping companies and leadership teams get the most out of their poops. So, OB, excited to have you here. We have a lot to discuss, lots of fails, past and present. Again, welcome to the show. Thanks. Every uh, every conversation with you is a fun one, so I'm excited for this. Yeah, you're going to, I mean, I did mention it's 10 a.m. while we're recording. Pour yourself some tequila, um, but you don't have to. But we're going to we're gonna have some fun today. Um, and I want to just share with our audience how you and I know each other. So a few years ago, I would say probably like four years ago, we met through a mutual friend. We both started, well, you're still with Chicago SHRM. I joined the Chicago SHRM Education Committee. Um, and that's when we both realized that we both have outside of the box ideas. So words like synergy and best practices and all of those buzzwords were just too basic for our vocab. And then you and I became quick biz friends. And then when I found out your beautiful wife, Caitlin, was on tour with an American in Paris on Broadway, I was like, okay, she will become my bestie. Which you made happen. I really did. That's like manifesting right there. That's like 100%. You did. You for sure manifested that friendship. (laughs) She loves you. I love her too. Hi, Caitlin. Well, and so we both now have sons who are about six month, uh, six months apart. You might hear mine. Bodie might come in. That's your son. Jackson might pop in. You might hear a scream or two as he goes down for nap. It'll be fun. But yeah, and then we actually, you and Caitlin and Bodie moved to our neighborhood. And I am now moving with our, our family is moving to Charleston, South Carolina which I know is a fail in itself. That's the first fail of this episode is that we moved into your neighborhood and scared you out 
only a few months later. That's it. That's it. It was a big scare. We are now we are now scarred and we're moving on. No, we are so sad and we love you guys so much. And I think, um, you know, it's we'll always be friends. We'll always be back to Chicago. I'm, I'm definitely going to talk about the move in another episode just because it's a huge deal, pun intended. Um, and I am just excited to have you here because I want our failed it fam to learn from your fails. So Let's start with Lockton, right? So you, how long have you been with Lockton? Uh, Just over 11 years now. That's a long, long time for one job. It's been a while. Yeah. So let me ask this. For somebody listening who, you know, when I read your bio, they're like, okay, he's got this podcast people business. He's in total rewards. He's in insurance. Tell people what drew you to this career. Well, I want to be upfront and honest and say that I got this job in 09 as the world was crumbling during the Great Recession. And so I was in B2B sales um, in commercial real estate, and that market just tanked. And every opportunity that I had went away. And I was still in debt to that company working in a deficit model and needed a new job. And I wound up reconnecting with a, a family friend who was pretty high up at Lockton. And he said, look, we're, t- we're trying to do this new training program. We're bringing in young people for the first time. I was 24, going on 25 at the time. And he said, you know, I think you'd be a good fit for this. And I learned about the company. It sounded good. Insurance was interesting. I actually thought the commercial insurance side of our business would be where I wanted to go. I just thought that that sounded cooler and sexier in some way. But then I got into it and was sort of forced into the benefits track. And wound up learning about employee benefits, learning about healthcare, and then really learning about HR and how HR is managing the people side of a business. And I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. There, there's a lot of cool stuff here. And so then once I was already in it, I said, okay, I'm going to commit to this side and went all in on that. And and that's expanded over the years into you know, just a general interest in people dynamics, which is why I started that podcast called People Business, just because I find uh, human psychology interesting. I find interpersonal relationships really interesting. Just everything that happens to us, how we communicate and the impact that that has and and whether that allows us to do the things we want to do or hold us back. Love it. All right. So that's, I would say, for anybody listening, I mean, you are in a job that essentially is almost entrepreneurial in a corporate environment, right? Like you are sort of building your own business, our book of business within a business. And I know you as somebody, like I said earlier, who takes an outside of the box approach when it comes to building relationships, when it comes to sales. I mean, I've pinged you. I'm like, do you like I use the word ping? Very corporate of me. I've pinged you um, about you know helping our team with relationship building, and you're you're my go-to guy for that. So, just kind of for a fun little failed it fam twist, what would you say is your favorite thing that you've ever done to build a relationship with a prospect who then turned into a client? What's the coolest thing you've done? Oh, geez. I mean, I, I don't think about it as doing really unique stuff or like, you know, I'm not trying to necessarily be out of the box. I'm trying to build relationships with people because that's the, that's the nature of our business. So in our business, every one of our clients before they become a client is working with someone else. And they're working with those people on a, often a weekly basis, sometimes even a daily basis. And so for them to hire us, they have to fire somebody else. 
So, and then on top of that, you know, we're helping companies with their rewards programs. So those programs are impacting every one of their employees and with healthcare, their, their employees' families. They are hugely expensive and they often are somebody's entire job to manage those with the companies that we work with. And so if you F that up, I mean, it's bad, right? And so for somebody to fire the person that they've been working with, even if it's not a great relationship and hire you or hire me, like they have to really trust me. And so relationships are huge. They're not going to hire you just because they like you. you. You have to be good. You have to be sharp. You have to present well. You have to do the job and help them get where they need to go. But they also need to really trust you. And that just takes a lot of time. And so I'm not trying to do that necessarily in like some crazy creative way. But I am trying to do it in a way that's authentic to me. And so I am not really a schmoozer. I, I'm a, definitely a people person, but I'm also somewhat of an introvert. And so I, I also really like deep conversations. I like interesting conversations. I like people who have some unique experience or perspective on the world. And so probably the more interesting things that I've done are like you know, when my wife was on tour, they performed in Chicago and I invited 20 clients, prospects, networking contacts to all come out to dinner before the show. And then we walked, saw the show live. And then my wife came and kind of met everybody afterwards and was able to answer some questions about what it was like to be in the show. So it was just, it was fun. It was very personal, uh, but it was very unique for other people. I've got another event coming up. Um, I got into through a friend a couple years ago, uh, trap shooting, like clay shooting. Mm. And it's a ton of fun. Most people have not done it. And it's a little bit scary and intimidating. And I did one of these last year and I'm going to do one again uh, coming up in November. And it's a, you know, like an HR shootout. And so I'm going to invite 10 to 15 people. We'll all, we'll all wear our masks and stay socially distant. Um, I got to figure out how we do like food and appetizers and stuff. But, you know, maybe we'll figure that piece of it out. But you know, getting everybody outside, doing something that I enjoy, allowing them to connect in a unique way. You know, I, that's sort of my version of taking people to ball games or, you know, go golfing with people. I, I enjoy that stuff, but I'm not, that's not where I fall naturally. So I just, I have tried to find ways to meet people in a way that is natural to me, that also allows me to build a relationship with that person. That makes sense. And I will say, I was at that show in Chicago. And that's when I was like, Caitlin is amazing. And then <laughs> I did not stay after, but we, we ended up meeting in a different way and it was beautiful. And I think what you do is just it, like exactly what you're saying is different than let's go, you know, meet up and do a happy hour. Let's go golfing. Like you could probably, you've done some golf things, I'm sure. But the way you try to connect with people uses your style. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I want to take this in a different direction real quick, because you said you started at Lockton in what, 2008? 2009, yeah. 2009. Okay, so the recession was happening. Oh, we were, yeah, I mean, we were in the bottom of it right when I got my job. Yep. Okay. So 2020 is Sucksville, USA, right? Um, we've been through some ringers. We've had some, we all have our own version of 2020. Um, and, you know, whatever that means to you, 2020 has been just a huge year for everyone with this global pandemic. So let's say, let's fast forward five years from now. Okay. So we're in 2025 and somebody's listening to the replay of this failed episode 
what would you say your biggest takeaway? It could be personal, professional, whatever. What would you say your biggest takeaway from 2020 is? That is a good question. I think that my biggest takeaway, let me tell you rather, we're not through 2020 yet, so I don't have any takeaways, but I've got some things that I'm thinking about as we're sitting here kind of stewing in it. And I hope that this year gives us all a little bit more resilience. And I hope that when we get through it, we've sort of like rattled our sabers and and yelled and screamed enough and sort of behaved badly enough to be a little bit ashamed of ourselves and that it'll actually bring people together in the long run. I, I look back through history at the big galvanizing events and you know they have an opportunity to either bring people together or, or drive people apart. And I, I'm hoping that this is one of those that we're all, because we're all suffering together, that we all kind of get through it and it sort of strengthens the community really the global community be like, you know, we're all a little bit tougher than, than we think we were or than we thought we were. That's, that's my hope going, you yeah. know, going into 2025. And I actually, I listened to a, a really good interview with a gentleman who was uh, for a time, the head rabbi in the UK, at least I'm one of the head rabbis in the UK. And he was talking about how societies sort of ebb and flow between being community-based and individual-based. And for the last 50 years, we've been getting more and more individual based. And it was on, he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast and Tim asked him, you know, well, do you have any hope? Like it sort of feels hopeless at times. And he said, no, I I definitely have hope because when we come out of this, we're either going to be more individual or we're going to realize that we need to be more community based. And what we can all do as individuals is start to focus on community a lot more and start to be a little bit more selfless, have a little bit more humility. And I, that was a great lesson for me. And that's something that I'm, I hope becomes my takeaway as we get through this. Yeah, no, I love it. Because if you really think about it, this in my lifetime is one of the most pivotal things that not just, you know, we as people in the U.S. are going through, but globally, the whole world is experiencing this pause, this shift. So I think that that has brought, you know, that phrase, we're all in this together. I mean, it's so true because a lot of times we all suffer individually. We have things in our own individual lives that we go through. And if you know somebody going through a similar situation, you create a community with that person. But this is really, you know, from a business perspective, I think, and this goes back to your whole thing about relationship building, this is really the first time where you can pick up a call or you can join a Zoom and whoever's on the other end of that Zoom or phone call is going to be feeling a lot of the same feelings that you are going through a lot of the same emotions. So I, I think that's a great takeaway. And I'm I'm not going to go any deeper because I could talk about it for about five minutes. So I'm going to move on to you, OB, because I want to, I know that you have gotten to this high level at Lockton. You're a senior leader, senior VP. People who listen to the Failed It podcast are anywhere from mid-level to, to just starting out in their careers, some senior level peeps here, and everybody just wants to improve themselves, right? So we learn by listening to some of your fails. We don't call them fails because in improv, there are no mistakes, only gifts. So your gifts, if you were to think back on your career, 
to two of the most pivotal gifts on your journey, hashtag gifts or air quotes gifts, what would you say your two most pivotal failed it moments were in getting you where you are to, to today? So one of them happened before college, which um, I really had wanted to go to the University of Virginia. I had had two cousins that went there. I'd seen the campus. It, it was just like everything I thought the college experience should be. And I applied, got rejected. And then I was like, you know what? This is really, this is what I want. And it, it turned out that my dad's business partner knew the, uh, the dean of admissions, Dean Blackburn uh, at UVA. And we set up this whole plan. God bless my dad because he and I drove down on his birthday through an ice storm to arrive on UVA's campus. And I had two letters faxed to the dean saying, if you're reading this, O'Brien's sitting in your waiting room and you should probably take a meeting with him. Stop. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I... I don't know where I got the balls to do this, but I also love that you had a fax. Like I, you know, I know fax still exists right now, but I've not used a fax machine probably since two thousand one or two when this happened. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, so this would this would have been oh two early, very early oh two. So he came out, took a meeting with me. We only had to sit there. I was like ready to sit there all day, but I, we only had to sit about forty five minutes. Took a meeting with me told me to my face that if they let me in, I would probably be a great student there and would have a great experience. But my GPA was just a little too low, but he would reopen the case. So they reopened it. And two weeks later, I got a personal letter from the dean putting me on the wait list. And I did not want to go to another college and then transfer in as a sophomore. That just wasn't the experience I wanted to have. So fast forward, wound up applying randomly on a college counselor's advice to Miami University in Ohio, uh, had never been to Ohio, had never heard of Miami, um, actually got their football team confused with the Hurricanes, as embarrassing as that is. Yep, yep. But we went out there, loved it. It was idyllic. It was kind of everything that I had wanted. So wound up going out there to school. And it was because of that that I made you know, all my best friends, except for you and John, made a bunch of great friends, wound up coming to Chicago, which I never would have done based on the East Coast where I grew up, which then, you know, introduced me to the career that I'm on, uh, the career path that I'm on, introduced me to my wife, who I, even though we actually grew up 10 minutes apart, we would not have met if we weren't both living in Chicago. Um, and it just sort of set my life. It's one of those moments where, like, it's the fork in the road moment. And I was running as hard as I could, pushing as hard as I could to go right. And life sent me left and was very uh, grateful for that. So that's a big one. And then the other is just not a single failure, but just bouncing from job to job for the first three years of my career. And I, when I moved to Chicago, I really wanted to get into advertising. And there was sort of an industry-wide hiring freeze at the time. And I, I got a bunch of interviews, but everybody said like, look, we don't have a position. You're great. But sorry, you know, we can't do anything. And so I wound up having to walk into a business. My, my father owns a car dealership and in college I had sold cars for him. So I had some experience with sales. So I wound up walking into a car dealership, uh, on Clark street here in Chicago and they gave me a job and I was a, you know, my first real career job was as a used car salesman, which was actually great. And I, I learned a ton from that, but it was not the environment that I wanted bounced to another inside sales job that I thought would be like, you know, corp, air, 
quotes corporate. That was turned out that was kind of a scam. Um, I got out of that after six months. Wound up in real estate, which you know then the economy tanked. It wasn't really a good culture fit for me anyway with the people there. And I wound up getting this opportunity at Lockton, and I was so exasperated at that point. I was like, "All right, this is my last shot. Like, otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the drawing board and totally find something else to do." And even that, right off the bat, was not a success. I I was a failure there for about eighteen months, which we can get into a little bit too. But you know, I through all that really learned one, like how to take some perspective; two, how to just keep going and persevere. And then three, I really, I learned a lot of how I did not want to behave and how I did not want to be and like the type of employee I didn't want to be, the type of leader I didn't want to be. Um, I was really working in some tough environments, um, some some really kind of terrible ones and uh, just learned it was a great sort of fortifying of, of who I did want to be. Mm, okay. I'm loving all this. We have a lot to unpack here. So buckle up, my friend. All right. So, all right. So thank you, first of all, for sharing that. And I know, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now who hear that because right now the world is in transition. A lot of people listening might be in transition. They may be feeling that feeling that you felt when you were exasperated once you got to locked in, right? And yeah. let me ask and start here with the jobs that you've had most have been in a sales capacity of sorts you're doing some of the hardest jobs so car you know a used car salesman insurance real estate all of those require a like crazy yeah people don't like those people let's be clear yeah but i i think one of the best things that i got out of working at a car dealership and i got this when i was working at my dad's car dealership he was a fantastic sales mentor to me and how to do it the right way. And and he actually had a lot of people who worked for him who would comment to me, like, your dad does this the right way. And I actually saw a couple of people get fired over the years who had come in from other places, had a little different style, more stereotypical, and, and they wouldn't last very long. But it was there was this moment that would happen where somebody would come in, everybody who came in, like you could just see in, in their eyes, they were like, you're a dirtbag. I'm going to be very cautious around you. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to tread very lightly here. And then as you would talk to them and you would ask them questions and you would get to know them and you would tell them a little bit about your life, like in a very short amount of time, sometimes you could see the defenses go down mm-hmm. and suddenly they would either, they would lean forward or they would smile in a certain way, but like you could actually see a physical reaction where they, where they got comfortable and then you could have a real conversation and potentially get a sale. Yep. And so if you're doing anything for the long term, it has to be, you have to be building relationships with people and you have to be building trust with people and and trying to do the right thing by people. Even if you're trying to sell them something, you you still have to be trying to help them. And, you know, and that could be in a business like mine where you get a client, I think the average client relationship is like seven years in my business. But, you know, you need those same elements if you're selling you know, cell phones at the AT&T store and people are just walking in and walking out. Like you still need to give them that experience. You need to build that relationship and trust even in that short sale too. And I think people miss that a lot. Yeah, no, I love this because, well, first of all, let me just share this. I think you use some of the most innovative relationship building tactics, tactics that I've ever seen. And I'll say this, like when we first met, Caitlin was on tour 
you had myself, John, my husband, um, and then a group of people over to your apartment. You made dinner, which I was like, wow, because I don't cook, right? So you know this. A lot of people were impressed that a guy living on his own at the time uh, could, could make dinner for eight people. And it wasn't like <laughs> a salad that you made like out of a bag with lettuce, like the American blend, and you threw like cucumbers in it. You made like a pear. You like cut open pears and put like something on the pear and we ate a salad out of a pear. I was like, what is this? This is awesome. But then you also had these little table, like dinner card table cards that we picked up and we would ask, you know, we had a lot of wine. There was wine involved, but we were asking questions and getting to know each other differently. One of those people was Linnea, who is now a dear friend of mine. And I met her because of your dinner party. We've worked together and have have talked, you know, of partnering together on several initiatives. And it's just crazy the way that you have brought people together that I think like when you just said, people don't like those people, used car salesmen, realtors, insurance brokers, like people think, ooh, slimy, gross. You're the opposite of that. And I think what's so interesting is you've turned a career into what, you know, could have been just transactional relationships into a space where you've actually built friendships that have increased the, I would say, quality of your life because of the relationships you've built through sales. And similarly, I feel the same way about Improve It and just the people we get to connect with because on the flip side, you have, you know, this psychology of people that you're really interested in. And that's what I think really if I'm looking at it from a bird's eye view, is so helpful to you and the work that you do. Hey, Failed It fam. Are you a leader for a small or large team that's stuck working from home? Are you missing the in-office happy hours or training sessions that allow people to interact and get to know each other? Are you sick of staring at a spreadsheet and you want something that will not only enhance team morale, but also build soft skills? then Improve It has your back. We've pivoted all 11 of our in-person soft skill training workshops to this virtual environment. Using Zoom, we'll create a memorable hour and a half experience that can train your team on things like effective communication, leadership, thinking quickly on your feet, presentation skills, and networking all in this virtual environment. Leading a team of interns, let us wow them with our Career 101 workshop. Leading a sales team who's figuring out how to cold call or even warm call in this virtual world, have our team of improv professionals facilitate our sales training workshop. If this is the spice that your team needs to get out of this work from home rut, email us at info at learn to improve it.com. Again, that's info at learn to improve it.com. And that's T-O improve it.com. Or you can head to our website, learn to improve it.com to learn more. We would love to help you improve your it virtually, whatever your it might be. I want to ask this question. How do you overcome rejection? A lot of people listening are either A, in some type of corporate job where maybe they want to go somewhere else and they've heard no. Maybe they're in a sales role and they're like, I keep hearing no, no, no. When is that yes going to come? How do I like get over this feeling that sucks of defeat? Some people may be applying for a job right now and not hearing the answer they want. So if you if you were to say to anybody listening, 
the best tool and tactic you use to overcome that feeling of hearing the word no, what would it be? Practice. Yeah. I mean, no sucks. Yeah, it does. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you're interviewing or, you know, or let's just talk about interviewing. So if you're interviewing, you are putting yourself out there, right? Like, like they're buying you. Mm-hmm. They're not buying a product. They're buying you. So that's a personal thing. Like you're putting your best foot forward. And then when somebody goes, no, nope, you're not good enough. I mean, that that's tough. And you just have to, one, learn to not take it personally. You, know, you, you need to understand that they're trying to do the best that they can for their business. And it has nothing to do with you as a person. It's, it's an individual who's making the best decision according to their thoughts and beliefs and biases. And you might be the right person. They might be making a mistake or they might be making the right call for a reason that you can't see because you don't have all the information. So you, ha- you have to realize that. In a sales capacity, you hear no all the time because you know, you're cold calling or you're trying, to, you're trying to meet new people. And I mean, like in the city of Chicago, all the major brokers that do what I do are in Chicago. There are a ton of regional players and mom and pop shops and you know, hundreds of people who are doing what I do. And there are only so many companies. And those people get called from all the other brokers. They get called from all the HR technology vendors, all the leadership development people. They get... They just get, you know, dozens of calls a week, if not a day. So the fact that they say no to you has nothing to do with you or or your value. It has to do with the fact that they just, they couldn't say yes and still do their job. And so you just have to find a way to get around that. And, you know, sometimes a no is a no, but sometimes, you know, sometimes a no is just a not right now, or you didn't ask the right way, or you need to be a little bit more creative here. And as long as you have the right intent, you know, keep going back, give them a little time, you know, don't, don't barrage somebody, but, you know, don't feel like you have to lose a relationship with somebody because they told you no, when you were trying to get them to, you know, buy you or buy your product or something like that. I think actually some of my best referral sources to going out and meeting other people are prospects of mine who've never hired me. Mm. And I, I sort of had this realization a, a couple of years ago where I started going out to some of these people who I had built great relationships with, but they had good vendor partners in place. You know, they had a good broker in place. And so they didn't need our service. And I, but we created relationships together and I would just say, Hey, you know, I know we're not working together, but would you mind introducing me to this person? Like, here's why I want to get connected to them. And if you're uncomfortable with it, don't worry. But you know, if you could, I'm really trying to find the right dots to connect here uh, to get to know that person. And people were like, yeah, sure. Because, and I think it was because I hadn't made them feel uncomfortable, you know, or pressured them into anything. And I think that made them more comfortable to then go on and, and make those introductions to others. Well, let me say this. If you make an intro and it works, um, I've done that for the OB. And you get a case of your favorite Sauvignon Blanc, Kim Crawford. If, if Kim, who is a man, is listening, I would love a sponsorship. But yeah, you, I mean, you have really, I think, really example, well, you exemplify, I would say, just overcoming the no, you know, in a creative business, we hear no way more than we hear yes. I think that a lot of people can relate to that in any capacity, just turning that no into a maybe, you know, turning it into how can I still serve you, I think is really what you do is, you know, we can't work together right now. 
But I'm going to still give you some really quality information and I'm going to get to know you on a different level as a human. And then that then creates this trust, which when the timing is right, I think that's when people come back to you. Yeah. So something I learned from cold calling is every time you get somebody on the phone the first time, the answer is no. And if you don't learn anything in that call, the second call and the third call are going to be no too. But if you can just get some piece of information from them, like, you know, I don't have time right now. Hey, totally get it. What is on your priority list right now? Oh, well, we've got these projects and blah, blah, blah. And actually, I got to go. Okay. Boom. You know, that was a 90 second phone call, maybe less, but you learned something. You learned what was on their plate. And then the next time you call, you say, hey, listen, you know, we spoke a couple months ago. You probably don't remember. You were working on these things at the time. Are you still working on those? or?" you know, might there be some time to connect? And then they'll go, yeah, we're still working on them. Or no, we're not working on them, but I got this other fire drill that's going on right now. And then the third time you call them, you can say, hey, you know, we've talked a couple times before, you probably don't remember. And then you can ask them some insightful question about, you know, everything that you've learned. And eventually you go, you know, I'm not, you probably don't remember. And they go, no, 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 I remember. I remember you. And you go, okay, well, you know, I hope that's not a bad thing. And they, you know, laugh and no, you know, that's okay. But then, you know, eventually you get to a point where they're like, look, I will meet with you at some point, but it just can't be right now. And now you're, now that wall is down and now you're having a real conversation with that person. And as long as you're graceful in that time and not trying to pressure them into something, you can say like, okay, great. Like what, what does that look like? When does that make sense? What has to happen for us to get together? You know, what if, and that's where you can throw in some creative stuff. You know, I do this other stuff. I do some networking events. I do round table. I do a podcast I think you'd be good for you know, would you be interested in maybe connecting in one of those ways? And now you're, now you're building a relationship with somebody. I love it. I love it. And I think for anybody listening, if you're, if you are in sales and you're afraid of cold calling, which I was in sales in my previous life and I hated it, I'm going to go back and and pause this and go back and re-listen to that to motivate myself to pick up that phone. Now, okay, let me ask you this. At improve it. We say improve your it, whatever that it may be. So you have shared with us some super vulnerable moments, some moments that you've learned. I really appreciate the lessons that you provided from everybody from your failures, which you just walked right into that. I didn't even have to ask you. So thank you. But what would you say is your it, your improve it? What would be your it or your life's purpose? It's just a casual question. What is your life's purpose? Yeah, what is, yeah, this is it. Just, just, uh, you know, what's the meaning of life for you? And um, no, yeah, what, just throw it in there. What would you say if you were to say my life is about blank? Well, so I've actually done some of this work. We work with a leadership development group uh, at Lockton, a group called Built to Lead out of Columbus, Ohio. And they talk about, having a strong core being essential. And you, know, you think about having a strong physical core is what you, know, you talk to any expert about like what, if you could do like one exercise to stay healthy, what would it be? It'd be some kind of core exercise because that strengthens the rest of your system. And their take is you need a strong mental psychological core as well. And the way to do that is to understand who you are and to really do work on who you are what lights you up, what you believe about the world, you know, what you're passionate about, that kind of thing. 
So while I don't have a final answer for this, it is something that I do think a lot about. And, and the place that I'm in right now is that I, I really love stories about people who are trying to do something in the world. You know, they, they have a goal and they set out to achieve it. You know, they're on some form of their own hero's journey. And so I love that in real life. I love reading fiction about that. Um, I, and I sort of view my own life as that and try to set goals for myself. And so if, if I have any purpose for my life, it's to try to maximize my potential in life and then to also help other people do that in their lives. And that could be in a number of ways, whether it's through our, my work or through you know, just giving somebody a book to read or, you know, working with you guys to help your sales team or something like that, just like helping people on their path. You know, it's, it's kind of both of those. I want, I want to get as far down my path as I possibly can in life. And I want to help other people get as far down their path as they possibly can. And that even just saying that sounds sort of like too altruistic. Um, but I just, I, I enjoy people who are trying to do something and, and who have knowledge and perspective about the world. And I'm trying to just gain as much of that perspective as I can to help me get as far as I can and have as much fun as I can. And then, you know, reach back and, and help other people do the same with whatever I've learned along the way. Yes. Snap, snap, snaps. Love it. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like that sounds cheesy, but that's that's sort of where I've landed. It doesn't. No, I mean, listen, this is your it, you know? And honestly, at the end of the day, it's what drives you. And I know other people can relate to it. I mean, I have a company called Improve It, you know, so that's not cheese factor. We wear chicken hats. So here it is. The world's full of cheese and we're just eating it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that, should be a, that should be a bumper sticker for sure or a billboard or something. The world's full of cheese and we're just eating it. You heard it here first. Heard it here. That's a quotable. Write that down. I love that. All right. So let me ask you this. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? So you had sent me a couple of these questions and that was actually the one that stumped me the most because for a long time I was like, oh, I, you know, I have this vision that I want to be in a movie. Like I just, Mm. I did production in college and I would love to see myself up on screen and just be involved in that. I think that would be really cool. But the more I think about it, like actually being an actor and putting in the time to actually be good at that, like, I don't know that that lights me up in, in that way. and so. I think about like, what would I do if I could not fail? And it's like, it was tough. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm kind of trying to do all that stuff. Yep. Um, like I, you know, a good example is I've always wanted to write a book and had gone back and forth with a bunch of ideas over the years. And when my wife did get that job on tour, she was going to be gone for over a year without, I mean, they were going to perform in Chicago, but it wasn't like she had like time off or was coming home on the weekends I and mean, they were gone. And so I said, well, I can come home every night and watch TV and become slowly become depressed, or I can take, you know, put, take on some project. And, you know, the, the book was a good one. I had gone to Iceland with my wife just before that and had had this idea for a story. So I said, yeah, let's, you know, let's go make it happen. And so I wound up over the next two years actually writing uh, a book, you know, fiction novel. And I tried to get it published. It didn't. I failed at that. Um, you know, I, I fell short of that goal, but I'm very proud of that book and I uh, have had family and friends read it and they've enjoyed it. And, you know, so I did that. And so now, you know, yeah, would I like to 
have a book published and be a bestseller, yeah, that would be fun. I, I really enjoyed the process. But like I'm I'm doing that. So I'm I'm trying that thing even though I could fail at it. And I think that was that was my thought around this question. This is a long ramble, but that was my thought around this question is like, I think you should ask yourself this question of like what would you do if you couldn't fail? And then just like start trying to do whatever the most basic level of that thing is. You know, like if you mm-hmm. if you want like if your goal is to be a senator and you would be a senator if you couldn't fail, like are you involved in community politics? Like, are you involved in your local PTA? Are you involved in the local community board or even on your housing association board? Like, are you involved in those type of community things? If not, then just stop talking about being a senator because you're just going to spin your wheels and you're going to daydream about this stuff and it's not going to actually help in life. So I'm big on on just figuring out what you want to do and trying even if you could fail. Yes. All right. I love that. And I think a lot of people can relate to a lot of nuggets in there. Okay. You gave us some little chicky nuggets. We'll dump, we'll put in some dipping sauce because I think if you're doing the things, I like this question because a lot of people who I interview on this podcast are doing the things that they already want to be doing, which I think is a testament to how cool you are. Yeah, I mean, I just, well, thank you. Um, I, I just think like life's too short not to do the shit you want to do. That's it. Write that down. <laughs> yeah. And I have to remind myself to also enjoy this stuff, that it's not just about going out and putting out all this effort and work, but like you actually have to enjoy the things that you're doing. Otherwise, it's just all a waste. And, and so like on my phone, the background on my phone says most fun wins. That's it. And I just, I thought that was just a great reminder. And, and for me personally, that's a good reminder. You know, you have other people who go out and are having a little too much fun and they need a reminder to, you know, buckle down and be disciplined. But for me, it's just that reminder of like most fun wins, go do the shit you want to do and like go try. Your goal is to want to be a senator. Well, if you won't take anything short of being a senator, then you probably shouldn't go after that goal. You know, because there's all these all this other great opportunity out there along that path that could be really fulfilling and really fun and really hard and suck a bunch when you fail and you know could be really difficult, which you know just try just find the baby step and go do the baby step and I think too many people look at the end goal and think, well, if I'm not going to be that, then I'm not going to even try and I think some of the best things in life that I've done are to shoot for the farthest thing and fall way short and still be much farther than I would have been otherwise and and have had a really rich experience. I love it. O'Brien for office. Vote for O'Brien. Vote for O'Brien. I didn't say that was my goal. No, I know. I know. But I do. I think that's a really interesting concept because if you're not going to go for it, then why even, you know, go for the furthest thing, go for the senator seat and put everything in. And, And along the way, I think that's what this podcast is all about is just embracing the suck because I'll be honest right now, I've got some transitions going on and I'm like, some of this really sucks, but I'm trying to have fun along the way because you don't get this time back. You know, you only got one life and it's short. And you know, there's a, there's a misconception. So you, people often say like, oh, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think the misconception is that that means that suddenly you get comfortable. No, that's not what that means. That means that you are just okay being uncomfortable a lot of the time. And being uncomfortable is a terrible feeling. And it's not, the, the key is just not to avoid being uncomfortable. And it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel bad. It actually means that you're going to feel more bad. 
you're, you're going to put yourself in positions where you feel more pain. You feel more acute in the moment, uncomfortableness, pain, you know, whatever, depending on what you're doing. And that doesn't go away. You keep pushing yourself and you keep putting yourself in those positions. But I think the, the key there is that it's only through that uncomfortableness that you grow. And so you have to like, you just have to embrace that your life is going to include a lot of that uncomfortableness. And, and people just aren't or don't seem to be willing to accept that uncomfortableness. They, they sort of deal with whatever uncomfortableness life puts on them, but they're not willing to go out and proactively put themselves in uncomfortable positions because they're already having to deal with so much that life has put on them. Yeah. And, and the, one of the things that I've learned and that I keep having to remind myself because terrible situations are terrible is you, you actually get better and you get through it faster if you embrace that acute pain. If you seek it out, you actually get through any kind of pain faster. I love it. All right. I'm going to end with something we call the fail yeah lightning round. So here's how this works. There's a little improv here, OB. Okay. No pressure, no pressure. Um, And so I'm going to ask you a series of questions and then you have to respond as fast as you can with only one word answers. So no, you cannot fail. But if you say more than one word together, we will say fail yeah. Okay. Are you ready for the fail yeah lightning round, O'Brien? Yes. Okay, here we go. It's going to come fast and quick. One word to describe your early career. Failure. One word to describe where you're currently at in your career. Path. One word to describe your future self. Progress. One word to describe your favorite boss. Oh, God, that's a tough one. Um, one word. I got to think of who my favorite boss Hell is. Yeah! yeah, I know. Yeah. Committed. Nice. All right, one word to describe your sales style. Low-key. It's hyphenated. That's one word. Okay, low-key. That's fair. I almost said it, but I said I'm going to give it to him. All right. One word to describe your podcast, People Business. Humanity. And one word to describe this interview. Fun. Yes. Golf claps. <laughs> Golf claps. I don't think right. I, I said fun. I don't think it sounded fun, but I have a, th- this is fun. So I Okay. It. No, I know. I, I knew it was fun. I know you'll be. That felt that was fun. This was good. Let yeah. me ask you this. If somebody wants to find your podcast or learn more about you, where can they go? So feel free to look me up on LinkedIn, O'Brien McMahon. You might have to put the apostrophe between the O and the B, but O'Brien McMahon on LinkedIn. I do. I will say that I don't connect with people that I don't know. But if there's a reason for us to know each other, happy to connect with people. And then, um, you know, feel free to, to, I think you can follow people even though you don't connect. So if you want to get like my updates on the podcast and stuff like that, feel free to do that. I just, I do think about LinkedIn as like building real world relationships through technology. And so I just try not to connect with people um, that I haven't like met and feel comfortable with, which is hard now that I host a podcast. But um, so find me on LinkedIn. The podcast is at peoplebusinesspodcast.com. Uh, you can also find it. It's People Business with O'Brien McMahon on Apple, Spotify, Google, and anywhere that you can find podcasts. Yes. All right. Well, first of all, 
Thank you, Failed It fam, so much for listening. And we want you to tell us what you want more of based on this episode. So you can drop me a line at Keeping It Real Deal on the DMs or shoot an email at info at learntoimproveit.com. And the best conversations happen at learntoimproveit.com on this episode's podcast page. So drop us a line. Tell us what you think about today's show. Oh, Brian, thank you for being a total reward in the failure department and sharing your wisdom of fails, past and present with us. You've given us lots of juicy chicken nuggets of wisdom, and we are grateful for that, my friend. Well, I appreciate you and what you're doing. I think this really helps people see that everybody fails and that that's not a reason not to go out and do the things that you want to do. That's it. All right. Well, well, with that, we'll wrap it up. A big fail yeah to the Failed It fam. Fail yeah. Hey, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Failed It. I'm so happy you're along for the ride. And if you enjoyed today's show, head on over to iTunes to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday. I'll see you next week, but want to leave you with this thought. What will you fail at today? And how will that help your future successful self? Think about it. I'm proud of you, and you are totally failing it. See you next time.